What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Crystal Mania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man. That's a powerful question. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Welcome back to the friendly confines of the Chris Van Vliet Show. Thanks for being with us on this ride, on this audio adventure. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag and Untuck It. And, oh, man, what a good, good conversation this is with PCO. I mean, what a story he has. And if you're not inspired by the end of this podcast, if you're not inspired by this man's story, you may not be alive. Which is strange because I know that you're listening right now. I know that you're very much alive. And I want to thank you uh, wherever, however you're listening. I'm imagining you're driving to work right now, maybe driving home from work, maybe you're at work, maybe you're getting that one last rep at the gym with the bicep curl, you got this. Maybe you're out walking the pup, the the pepperoni pizza, that's what I like to call dogs, pepperoni pizzas, Uh, wherever you're listening, snap a screenshot right now, let me know, let PCO know, I know that he would love to hear that you're listening to this. And thank you for leaving the reviews on Apple Podcasts, which leads us to our betonline.ag fan of the week. Betonline.ag is your online sportsbook expert. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. And I, I really can't thank you enough for these reviews. They help the podcast grow so much. And I really want the podcast to be as big as the YouTube channel is, which is continuing to grow. I mean, both are continuing to grow. We're going to get there, though. So thank you for continuing to make this a top 10 wrestling podcast in the world each and every week. And I'm going to keep reading one of these on each episode throughout 2020 because you are the fan of the week this week. It's Seahawk86 who says, passion, caring, and knowledge. Chris is not like other interviewers that give you what the companies want you to hear. He gives you what the fans want to hear, and that is honesty and a commitment to this great sport. It is people like Chris that give wrestling a chance at a great future. Give him a listen. You won't be disappointed. Well, thank you so much, Seahawk86. We're up to 662 reviews. The specific goal for the year, because you know that vague goals get vague results. The specific goal is 1,000 reviews. So we're getting close. I mean, it's only February, and we're 300 and... 38 away. That was quick math there. So if you haven't done it yet, please take seven seconds. Scroll down if, on Apple Podcasts, on your iPhone, on your iPad, however you're listening right now if you're on Apple Podcasts. Scroll down. Click those five stars. If you happen to have a few extra seconds, please just type uh, a few words about the show like Seahawk86 did. So thank you so much for being our betonline.ag fan of the week. And you can use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. AG. And if you listen somewhere else, if you listen on Google or Spotify or Stitcher, I still love you. I appreciate you. It's just Apple Podcasts, the only place where you can leave a review. So what a guy PCO is. And at 52 years old, he is your Ring of Honor world champion. 
And his story is incredible. I mean, he's worked for every major promotion in wrestling. You probably know him best for his time in the WWF as a tag team, the Quebecers. And he's from Quebec. French is his first language. But there is so much more to him than just that. In fact, there was a point in his life where he didn't think that there was anything left in wrestling for him. So in 2012, he kind of quietly retired. And then he just completely reinvented himself. He missed wrestling so much. And he has one of the best stories in all of pro wrestling. Oh, man. I'm going to let him tell it to you. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's PCO. Well, there we go. And the Ring of Honor champion in the house. Literally in my house. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate you coming here and thank you for making this happen. Oh, I'm so uh, delighted <laughs> to be on your show. Uh, it's, uh, I wanted to be on it and uh, now it's going to be... Uh, Something done, I guess. No, well, I'm glad that we were both available to make this happen. And the fact that you brought the title with you, too, that means a lot to me. It means a lot to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it does. I bet it does. What an, what an incredible story that you have. And, and I think that 2019 was such an amazing year for you. How do you even top that in 2020? Uh, the only way to top that is just to... Uh, really get going like what I always envisioned, the PCO Monster Mania. Hmm. Just getting crowd really excited, getting house packed, getting uh, good ratings, good buy rates on, on pay-per-views, and, and just just evolve, you know, just grow, just grow the whole PCO Monster Mania thing. I mean, you just turned 52 years old. Yeah. Did you ever think you'd be holding a championship ever again? It was part of the plan, at, at, at least, you know. But I, that that's the thing, you know. Every time I set up a goal and I have a vision about a goal mm -hmm. and, I, and I, I know deep down inside that that's what I want and I will, no matter what, get there. Sometimes you do get discouraged on the way there and sometimes... You wonder how this is going to happen. Yeah. You know, that's a question I ask myself all the time. I know it's going to happen, but the roads, the, the way it goes, it's so crazy. There's so many hazards, so many um, ways that I never expected that it would happen that way. You know, like, I, w I was always a big fan of... Uh, of you know you gotta grind you gotta work hard for what you want and I was a big fan of those movies yeah and I kind of create created my own life like the movies that I grew up watching yeah you're the hero of your own story <laughs> <laughs> I mean seriously I, I know I'm the main character of my, my of my life though <laughs> not everybody is though. there's a lot of people that are living for other people. I don't know. I, I always look my my life as a movie, and I'm the main character of my movie. Even though sometimes I go watch a hockey game, it's like the main character is going to watch a hockey game. Is just a spectator sure. during the time that he's the main character of his life. Sure. So I always look at myself that way, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, it's it's funny to to finally be where I wanted to be. You know, like. Uh, where I envisioned to be when I was 14 years old, when I had that young kid that had that dream in his heart, the burning desire 
I was there and I've kept there and uh, being there forever, like during uh, all kinds of uh, obstacles and setbacks and yeah. adversity. Sometimes it would take me a year or two to get back from a, a tough blow, but I always came back. Well, you've wrestled everywhere. You've wrestled for every major promotion. And now you've really found a home in Ring of Honor. I feel like, you know, Ring of Honor, PCO, ROH, PCO, like you're a staple there now. Yeah, I, I really feel good in there. I feel like uh, it's uh, like a home for me. It's, it's very uh, family-oriented. When I say family-oriented, I say we, we are treated as a family. It's, it's a cliché. In wrestling, oh, we're a big family and things like that. But yeah. Ring of Honor, I gotta say, when I got there uh, the first night, I was there and I uh, was hearing things like that. But I saw things from my own eyes that uh, that proved to me that they really are a family. I saw people leaving for other companies. I saw people leaving for whatever reason, and we gathered all together we wish them best of luck in their other endeavors um if somebody gets injured you you see that really f family camaraderie yeah uh between sometimes you have like a wall or you have like a, a distance between executive and office people and talent yeah I don't feel that at Ring of Honor. Mm. I, I feel like we all part of the boat. We all uh, we all in the same uh, same family together. It's not too different, uh, you know, the executive family and the talented like family and yeah and um, yeah. And I I feel like uh, I like that environment. When you came in, was was the title even part of the discussion? No. <laughs> Never negotiated for the title, not even once during the whole year. Never, never, never. I mean, I would mention it sometimes on my Monday night PCO and Destro, on like on my social media. Yeah, I would mention it that it had been a goal since I was 14, but I never sat down with an executive at Ring of Honor and say, listen. I'm going to sign with you if the title's on the line yeah, yeah. or if I get such amount of time with a title run or this or that. Yeah. I, I just went with the flow. Basically, I went like, I'm going to just prove myself what I can do. Was it really Joey Janela's spring break that put PCO on the map? He was a big... Uh, It was a big influencer for sure. Yeah, I feel like everyone points to that match with Walter and goes, I feel like we were sleeping on this guy. That was the big thing. But one thing, you have to rewind a little bit. Uh, Ethan Page. Um, the way it started, I did like something on YouTube. I was doing like commentary after a pay-per-view or, you know, predictions or posts, you know, uh, Um, post-analyzing like, yeah, yeah. pay-per-view. And then, like, uh, I got a call from someone who wanted to use me as a wrestler, and then I said, well, uh, yeah, maybe that maybe sounds that sounds good. So I went, and uh, I really took that very seriously and had a killer match there. And then uh, someone from Indiana called uh, Michael Blanton, who runs an Indiana uh, Black Label Pro Wrestling in Indiana, 
uh, call me up and he says, I got a date for you either uh, on 2018, uh, January 13th or April 21st. And I knew I wanted to be at WrestleMania for April, so I had to choose January 13th. But I knew I was not going to be uh, as prepared as I, I was hoping to be prepared for the 13th because right. I had just worked a few matches before prior to that. Yeah. But I, I gambled on myself on that one. Uh, my flight didn't want to leave like because it was a big snow snow in Montreal. Oh, wow. We were grounded for five, six hours. <laughs> I showed up at the show 15 minutes before bell time. Oh, my god. And gosh. I was wrestling Ethan Page. <laughs> and we had a killer match. And Joey was standing. Uh, he was in the, the audience. He was wrestling on that show, but watching me perform in the audience. And on the way back to the hotel, Joey asked me if I wanted to be part of the spring break. And I feel like when people saw the match on the card, Walter versus PCO, they're going, well, Walter, huge indie name. PCO, the guy from the Quebecers? Like, what kind of match is that? Yeah, exactly. But then you blew everyone away. That was... Everyone talks about that. That was the match of WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, it it took a long time during the match. You know, I, I, um, when I was introduced, it was cold as hell. I mean, <laughs> I heard a little, like, chant because I had just uh, cut a deck of cards, you know, with Destro. I did, like, three promo videos for Walter, so they kind of got over. Uh, so I had a little chant, cut the deck, cut the deck. But that was it. Like, it was like... Uh, Super cold, and until like halfway in the match, we started trading like chops, like from corner to corner and back and forth. And yeah. then I started to hit like big moves, like uh, moonsault on the outside, the spring legged yeah. moonsault, the uh, santon, and uh, I got power bombed through a table. Uh, tons of things that we did, me and Walter, and then. As soon as we started, like, the trade, because my, my, my chest was, like, you know, you know, purple, green, and black. Yes, I've taken some chops <laughs> recently. <Yeah. laughs> and It's uh, still bruised. And uh, my chest was, like, so battered, like, so, so all kinds of collars. I wouldn't feel even the thing. Like, I was so pumped for that match. I was so pumped up. Like, I didn't even care. So at what point did you really catch on. So that match was great. You won the crowd over. Yeah. Did you start getting bookings immediately after? Yeah, right after. Wow. It really, really popped up like crazy. I became literally, I became a poster boy for all the indie companies in the States. Like Canada as well, but yeah, I did most of my booking I took in the, in the States. I did like probably every single company that was the main event. And it's incredible because at the time you were 50, right? Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of wrestlers that turn 50 and they're like, that's it, like one more match or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. 50 is like the new 40 or maybe 30 because, well, you're the champion of Ring of Honor. There's another champion right now in his 50s in AEW. Billy Gunn's still tearing it up in his 50s. I feel like you still have so much more in the tank. Yeah, I feel like that too. And I think that what fuels me, it's, uh, it's my goals. You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, if you uh, if I would have come back and wrestle without a plan or without a goal or without knowing where I wanted to go, 
I think it would just be uh, a guy wrestling in his 50s, but I had a plan. I knew where I was going, and I was willing to pay the price and make the sacrifices. I love it. I always say, vague goals give vague results. And you had a very specific goal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really wanted to become uh, a world, champ world champion for a major organization. That, mm -hmm. that, was, the, that was the main goal. Uh, originally, when I was at... Uh, I was at All In, but I couldn't do All In because I was booked at Chikara a long time ago, like three months prior to that. So I, I guess we never really had any discussion about that. But uh, You I were got, at All In? Yeah, I got booked. Like with Destro, we did like uh, uh, a demonstration, a demo, a strength demo and all, all sorts of PCO and Destro things. And it got really over. Yeah. And, uh, and I had to fly back in the afternoon to make the show in Philly mm. and get there on time and uh, make that tournament, the Kings of Trio tournament. What, was there ever a discussion after doing All In that maybe you'd be part of AEW? Yeah, it was a few discussions. Uh, uh, I, I think I could have been part of AEW, uh, but um, at the, uh, the end of the day, uh, Ring of Honor is, to me, uh, I had committed myself with them and they they had been really really professional like uh you know uh, like i've never seen like anything like that maybe once one time the first time i got hired by wwe maybe it was cool but it wasn't as cool as the as the way they they, uh, they showed me all they they really wanted to sign pco uh i was invited to the office uh, and they showed me the The dojo showed me Sinclair and met with uh, Joe Coff and Greg and uh, Delirious uh, Hunter and uh, met with everybody at the office and then we discussed the deal and everything like that and then once I shook you know hands in, in my mind like uh, it was no it was hard to to go back on a commitment. I'm, I'm the type of guy, if I commit myself to a goal, yeah. or, or if I tell you I'm going <laughs> to your, your, I'm gonna be on yeah. your show. Wake up at 2 in the morning, <laughs> I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll respect my words. And, uh, well, I was, I was talking to Ring of Honor about, like, I'll fly to Montreal. I'll fly to Montreal and do the interview with PCO. And they're like, no, we'll fly him to you. And I'm like... Great. <laughs> sure. Let's, I mean, I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. Yeah, so awesome. you're a man of your word. And obviously, Ring of Otters is now building around you. Like, you're one of the top stars. Yeah, well, there's a few. Uh, I think my goal is to, like like I said, you know, to really grow, help uh, get the, the company get known, like, uh, more in Canada, more in the United States. Uh, I, you know, performing in the ring... At a high level, but also perform, performing outside the ring as, a, um, as the marketer or one of the marketer and marketing ROH as a top wrestling company. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm doing it almost every uh, TV shows uh, that I can get on. I was invited by the Montreal Canadiens. I was invited by their farm clubs the uh, Laval Rockets for the uh, 100 games. So it was sold out at 12,000 people there. Wow. 
I was invited by the Boston Bruins farm farm team club. I do I do all of them, you know. I uh, and I, I and I make so many good uh, contacts. I meet I meet so many great people along the journey, along yeah. the, the road. It's been fantastic. Well, I think what's so amazing about the story is in 2011 you were retired. Yeah. And so first of all, what was the decision going into the retirement, and then what was the decision going into coming out of retirement? Well. Uh, I think 2005 to 2008, I was a TV, TV commentator in French for TNA. Mm-hmm. And I was making great money. I was on TV every week, and uh, I had it easy, kind of. And after three years, I had a good chemistry with my partner also, who was a... Uh, a live ring announcer for Vince McMahon at one point oh, wow. uh, when they were doing shows in Canada, mm-hmm. Mark Blondin. Very good ring announcer, very good commentator and everything. He's very talented, does a lot of radio shows and things like that. So I told him one day, I said, Mark, I said, uh, I'm going to quit the job. <laughs> he said, what? <laughs> I said, you're the best partner I ever had and you're quitting over like basically no reason? I said, yeah, I'm quitting over a reason. Uh, when I was 14, I wanted to become a world champion. I didn't want to commentate on the world champions, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I said to him, I feel like I'm not at my place. You know, I'm having fun. It's a great job, but yeah. I'm too young for this. You and know? You, you quit to I, do I, what? Yeah, well, well, the producer of the show brought me in the office. And said, Are you you're serious? You want to quit this job? I said, <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm going to hire uh, someone for three months. I was going to England on the indie scenes, and I wanted to meet Vince McMahon overseas, showing that I'm not just a guy from Montreal showing up at the Montreal Bell Center. Hey, I want a job back, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm busy on the road. I'm doing the indies. I'm I'm there in Birmingham. I'm there in London. Mm-hmm. I'm there every show that they were in England, I showed up. Mm. I had, like, uh, a few tryouts and... Uh, and that was the that was the reason. And when he asked me if he, I, I wanted to have a three months, you know, break so I could try it, and if it doesn't work, you have your job back. And said Robert, if I do that, it's because I don't believe in myself. If I do believe in myself, I'm going to say I or someone else. Yeah, and that's what I said, and that's what I did. And everything that I've done in England and everything that I've tried, I failed all over the place. <laughs> it was, it was a, uh, after I had a good match it was now creative they don't have anything for you or uh, no we no really we don't have anything for you and then eventually I uh, I did like I was in touch with John Laranitis a few more times over the phone and I was doing some show around uh, Lewiston and uh, the New Jersey area, and he says, come to the office, we'll talk. And uh, that was in 2009, I think, or 2008. And he says, just choose a week in uh, in July, and uh, we'll get you a Raw and a SmackDown, Hmm. and uh, we'll give you a good worker, good giant, very good chance to, to shine and to show what you can do. Yeah. So I had uh, I had to shoot an angle for me and Shawn Michaels for uh, WrestleMania. So I'm 
going out for my match. I got I got the girl at position. You got yeah. like Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon, uh, John Laurinaitis, uh, every like a lot of agents. Pat Patterson's there. Everybody's there. And uh, that match didn't go the way I thought. And I had to fight the whole day. Uh, you know to. I I came in with like a kind of a uh, Kyokushin uh, MMA kind of uh, gimmick, you know. Uh, and Vince was really competing against USC at that time. So I had a yeah. nice, very sharp, uh, zigzag blonde mohawk. I came out, the crowd was really up for it. I had a hell of a look. Uh, but on that look, they made me shave my head before I go out. Vince, he said to John Laurinaitis, I think that looks like, uh, that haircut looks like a job guy. So we, we so Johnson, I'm going to make you, uh, give, make a favor for you. I'm going to make you shave your head. So I was kind of uh, off guard, you know, just before going for my match. You know, it's a slap in the face because you're all pumped and now they're yeah. shaving your head. And yeah. Go and then, right. Well, there must, must be something they don't like in my look. So, uh, I came back from the match, and then John said, what did you think of your match? And I said, well, I think it was just very so-so. So I had, like, two good moves that really popped out the crowd, but I know uh, I don't think it was that great. Mm. So he said, uh, don't even bother do, doing, like, uh, SmackDown tomorrow. Oh, wow. Just, just <laughs> take the car if you don't want to sleep. Or just, anyways, just take the car. Just drive it back to Montreal. Uh, we were at Moylan Sun Arena in Connecticut. And uh, I drove back home to Montreal. And that was the end of your tryout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have had so many other stories between me and Vince. Uh, very cool stories that... Insane stories. I mean, uh, one time I think it was in... In 2003, I had a hell of a match. The whole um, Bell Center is chanting my name. Creative. They called me like two weeks after. They had nothing for me. 2005, I was supposed to wrestle a guy, but the guy wanted to have like a 12-minute match. They wanted me to go over in a 5-minute match. So I ended up like uh, basically nothing. And then between, I guess, my tryout, the one that went wrong, and... 2011, I showed up at the Bell Center and then I was talking to uh, John a few times during the night and he was going crazy all over the place and have much time for me. Yeah. So I decided to wait for Vince. So because I was a three times world tag team champion. Yeah, of so course. So he, and you know he would call me on my phone sometimes. You know when I was like on my peak and everything was doing well. So uh, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. At the end, there's no more wrestlers. It's only myself. I've been there since 11 in the morning. So it's about 1 a.m. in the morning. I go to the dress Vince dressing room. Yeah. So, uh, two big, huge bodyguards. They're so huge, like 6'7", 6'6", 350 each. They're immense. <laughs> so yeah, can you tell them that Pierre Carl is there and I would like to talk to Vince? <laughs> <laughs> so when a guy gets in the room, he gets back out. He says, uh, Vince has left. He's not here anymore. 
I know where the bell center is. There's yeah. no back door. You're in the dressing room. Yeah. You, can't, you can't leave. You know, I was there when he got in. There's no way to Right, yeah. So I wait, I wait, I wait. Vince coming out of the dressing room. I go, hey, Vince, the ju- bodyguards, they jumped me. They got me by the throat and everything. They're ready to kill <laughs> And this is no guys, no guys, stop, stop. Hey Carl, how are you, my friend? What can I do for you? And then, uh, and then I kind of, I was kind of choked up a little bit. Like uh, 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 you want to speak, but you, you just, you know, yeah. went through so much, and yeah, I was totally taken off my guard, you know. So I said, no, I, I'd like to come back and work for you. He said, talk to John about that. Said, oh, okay, that's what I've been trying to do all night <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. I said, yeah, that's good. So basically I had like, you know, a lot of uh, setbacks and failure like that, big ones. So to to be able to, at 50 years old, to get that call from, from Joey Janela. And didn't have the money to pay my trans, and I decided to drive there. So it was 40 hours to get there in Louisiana and 40 yeah. hours to get back in Montreal. Because I, I was not organized at the time with GPS and things like that. I wasn't doing much road. So I just <laughs> kind of say, okay, Florida's 25 left. So Louisiana is going to be uh, I-95 uh, to the right. You know, so uh, it's about the same time. But I wasn't at the same time. And I probably got lost a few times in different roads and things like that. So it, it took me 40, 40 for a 25-minute match. So I had to... I had to be convinced that <laughs> that match was going to lead me somewhere else. Other, otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. Did you get paid for the match? Yeah. Okay, so you got paid for the match. You, you drive yourself 20 hours there, 20 hours back. 40, 40. <laughs> 40 hours. Oh, sorry, 40 each one? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, no sleep. Because if I was going to sleep for eight hours, I was going to, you know, getting there only the the morning of the show and it would have been a bad day for me so I wanted to have a night of sleep so I didn't sleep. Now if you don't mind me asking what did you get paid for the show because I want to put this out there that you were willing to do all of this work for probably not a lot of money in the indies. Yeah. That's probably uh, around $300. Okay. So you drove 40 hours each way for $300 which likely didn't cover your gas or your hotel. All because you knew that maybe, possibly... I was sure. So it was not a maybe. Okay. It was, well, what, this is going to turn my career. This is the match that's going to turn What my made career. you so sure? Well, when I, was, when I was talking to Joey in the car after the match with Ethan, uh, he was telling me how big Walter was on the indie scenes. And then when I got back home... Uh, January, February, March, I had like three months, you know, to check out on Walter. So I knew he was red hot. Uh, and uh, I just knew that it was going to be the, it had to be that, that that moment because I had been waiting for a moment like that all my career. It had to be this one. I've done mm. that so many times before. But that time I was very, very convinced, very sure of myself that if everything happened that way, the way that I... Uh, Connected with Joey, the way that my match went with Ethan, the way that I got uh, kind of scouted by Black Label Pro, uh, that had to be it. Had to be it. You know? Right. So let's take it back a little bit. 2011, you were pretty much done with wrestling. For those reasons. Be- you because know, so, ma- so many 
somebody's like slapping the face and and the, the last time that I drove from Connecticut back to Montreal that I didn't even I didn't even have the chance to do the second show uh, I'm driving my car back home and I'm telling myself I'm I'm kind of pissed too I'm, I'm you know I'm not in a good mood for sure but uh, I'm telling myself something good's going to come out of that mm. but I don't know when and I don't know why and how it's going to happen and I don't know when but I knew something good had to come out of that if I didn't quit. So what did you do for work from 2011 until you got back onto the indie scene? Yeah, I worked in bars. I, I, I did bounce and then I did, uh, yeah, well, uh, I made a, a pretty good living at it, you know, but it's, it's obviously something that uh, I didn't like. Yeah. I mean, uh, probably... It's probably where I was the weakest uh, on my first run. You know, I always uh, was a lady guy. And uh, I think that kind of fulfilled a, uh, a need. Like, uh, it was a place for me where, you know, I uh, was constantly, you know, uh, talking to beautiful girls and things like that. And right. Uh, it's a certain standard, you know, uh, but, uh, yeah, and, you know, it gave me some freedoms because I was working, like, uh, four four days a week and I had, like, three days off. So I could train all the time. And yeah. Could, uh, it was, you know, it was like I was booking, basically. So you, you talk about how you had a great relationship with Vince and you were able to, you know, speak with him, have these auditions, these tryouts over many years. Did this incident with the click leave a bad taste in their mouth or... or blackball you or anything like that uh no because the match that uh that i should the, the angle that i was shooting for sean actually i was supposed to end up that package in england i was supposed to give it to john laronidas but john laronidas couldn't show up that day so i had nobody to go and and then my package for the scenario that i this is in 2009 yeah that yeah. was over in england okay you know? And uh, so many things happened because I had my daughter also in between, uh, like a girlfriend. And so my daughter is 11 and her name is London. But, yeah, so I, I gave my package. I gave it to Shawn Michaels, basically. And he he promised me that he was going to give it to Vince. Huh. And he gave it to him because that's why I got the phone call from John Laurinaitis after that for those tryouts. Right. But the match wasn't like a good... Was not a good fit for me. I mean, when I went to the tryout, and nobody liked the gimmick that I had. Nobody. I remember I was talking to Ricky Steamboat during the day. It was the agent of the match. He he did not see anything good to it. You know, to any ideas I was coming for, I was going against the tide. Uh, that's uh. one lesson that I've learned. Also, go with the tide. Don't go against the tide. Mm. I mean, be relentless. Be focused. Don't quit. But uh, when something uh, gets in your way in a form where it's obvious that you can't change anything, yeah. go with it. Yeah. You know, just just don't don't be you know uh, stubborn to the. That's what I did, and that, that I learned a great life lesson there. So if we if we dive into the situation with Kevin Nash in this this thing with the click, how much did that affect your career at the time? Badly. So, it's, you know, you were supposed to, it was supposed to be a, uh, a count out, right? Was the original? No, the, <laughs> the story is like, 
Uh, we all, we usually for TV shows or our shows, we always get the finish in the afternoon from the agent or whoever. And a month before the Montreal show, which was the house show for the title against Kevin, he came up to me and uh, very arrogant, and he said, uh, "It's going to be a b big knife, uh, big boob jack knife, one, two, three in Montreal." <laughs> And that was fuming. <laughs> of course, friends. yeah. No, it's not going to happen like that. So when the show arrives and the show comes in Montreal and then Tony Garia comes to me, won like a 10, 12 match and uh, I'll put Big Kev, you know, the champ over a big boot, jackknife. I said, no, no way. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Because it's your hometown? Uh, Sort of. It's a long story. There's okay. so many stories and stories. It's, the, the, the heat had started the year before with, with Shawn Michaels where I didn't want to put him over, but I ended up being putting, putting him over in the match. Right. Uh, and, and just the fact that I said, no, I don't think it's a good idea, but I said, no, no finally I will do it. It's all right. I think that I had like just put enough to get a bad taste on myself. And then I was undefeated for eight months at Jean-Pierre Lafitte. And and Kevin and and uh, Sean were good friends. So I, I think the fact that it came back to Montreal where I had that little altercation with Sean uh, just came back to haunt me mm. because they really put the... A lot of grease on the <laughs> on the machinery there <laughs> to make me bite on it, and I, I I did, and I did bite like crazy. I said I said no. I said if I'm gonna do a job here tonight, I'm just taking my bag and going <laughs> home. You won't have a main event. There's no main event tonight. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm what? Why did it matter so much? It's just a house show. No, that 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 wasn't for the that was the principle. That wasn't for the show. Uh, for the show, I didn't care. I would have put him over a thousand times. It was just the fact that he called it to me a month before the show. Right. If I would have showed up in Montreal and they would have said, okay, of course, Kevin is the champ. We want to put him over. I would have said, yeah, no problem. Yeah. But the fact that they ribbed me with it, it's the rib that I didn't like. Right. It's the rib that I that I really went crazy for. Uh, and the first, the first little thing that happened with Sean, I had still Jacques in my... Uh, you know, Jacques wanted to go to WCW. I wanted to stay with WWE, and and then he, and then he, when he knew that I was wrestling Sean, he was saying, "Nah, they're gonna make you lose again." And then I got worked up, and with Sean, I wasn't sure because I was only like 25 years old. So mm -hmm. I was like, "Well, should I listen to someone who's got experience, or should I should I listen to Vince, who's a boss and tells everybody what they want to hear?" Right. So I was kind of confused, and so uh, it created a little altercation with Sean that came back to haunt me a year later. But it wasn't about doing the jobs. It was like maybe 5,000 people there. Right. I, I, I really, I don't think that was the big factor. The big factor was the fact that months prior to that, he came to me and he said, in Montreal, in your hometown, it's going to be a big boot, jackknife, one, two, three. And it, you ended up walking out on the match, right? No, we did a double count out. Change yeah. Finish. Okay, double count out. Yeah. And then, wh where did things go from there for you? The, the, the end of the match was really stiff because 
all uh, sold out at the curtain. Everybody's expecting a fight. So, <laughs> and the next night we're in Quebec City, and then it was tough. And then uh, eventually, like, uh, I decided to go to WCW, and then by the time I got put by WCW, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and made their move there. Yeah. So that cut me off there right away. Right, so it was like kind of... <laughs> so that's why it was a hard time from 1996, 95, 96, from that night on with, with Kevin and all the way to I worked against him back in 2001, I think. He came back to Montreal and worked against me and put me over. Was there any heat with him then? No, no. And uh, I remember his friends, they were telling him, don't go to Montreal, it's a big trap shut there, they're going to beat you up, they're going to this and that. And, and Kevin said, ah, come on, it was so many years ago. And, and, and we, we hang out together. And, uh, after the match, we hung out, and uh, we had so much fun, and uh, I learned so much about the business from Kevin. He was like a different guy, and uh, like today, I would say he's a good friend of mine. Wow. I, I remember you talking in another interview where, obviously, you know, you were you were upset about that situation, and you had written down all the things you didn't like yeah. about them. Yeah, I, I everybody that I hated, everybody that I I thought that you know things that I, I didn't like about people uh, in the wrestling business and around my life circle. And I was reading that, I was uh, writing that down, and then. Uh, as I was reading every single thing, <laughs> it hit me like uh, a ton of brick. Like everything that I wrote down about other people's, uh, it was probably everything that I was myself. Wow! And that that would that really uh, that's really uh, humbling. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm realizing. <laughs> The things that you don't like about other people. was a mirror effect. Yeah, the things you don't like about yourself. Yeah. So what changed from that point? Uh, I changed my side. Ch- changed my inside. Change, change, uh, try to change the, the way I was dealing with people, trying to be a better person. Uh, mm. Personal development, basically. Mm. I started to work on myself, and I knew that uh, the success would come only by kind of killing my ego and... Uh, so to speak, you know, and uh, just just be generous, be um, be myself, uh, um, and work on the you know the basic qualities of a human being. You know, like uh, it, it's not hard, you know, uh, not to get get anger. It's bad, you know, to be angry all the time, to be mad all the time. For uh, so it's it's really the Deep down, a profound uh, change that I made about myself. Uh, it's a it's a long, long journey. I've been working on myself since uh, that year, you know, uh, 2000, and uh, it's been a process. And I feel like you know, I'm, uh, each and every year, I'm, I'm learning more things and more things. It's a, it's a never-ending process. You know, you never get there, but you yeah. always. Every day, get the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Try to be the best version of yourself and working out. But I, I started with the, you know, setting up. I had set up goals for my for my life, but I started to set up goals for every day. Set up goals for every week. Um, you know, be 
Let's say if I was stuck in traffic, let a car go by in front of me, mm. or I open a door for someone. Mm. Little things that I was just thinking about myself before. Come on, move out of the way. It's me, it's me, it's me. Uh, close the door in front of someone. You don't care. Cut the line. Yeah. You're late for uh, an interview or something. Go on the shoulder. Cut right <laughs> in front of everybody. You know, I was doing things like that, you know. Like yeah. And I was like, uh, without knowing it, you know, like... Uh, I was I was always brought up good, but when I I, I reached uh, the WWE, the fame, the success, the money, my account changed, my bank account changed overnight. You know, I think my first check in WWE like fifteen thousand dollars for three days of work. You know, that's incredible. So uh, you're going from being broke to that amount of money. Yeah. Plus the royalty checks and everything, and, and then eventually you just start thinking you're better than everybody. You know, yeah. my mom would say, "I'll go eat to that restaurant today." So, oh, I don't know he those people. <laughs> I'm better than them. You yeah. Know? So uh, I had reached out to a point where, you know, every everything that happened to me happened for a reason. I was the instigator of that, and. Uh, At first, I was putting the blame on Kevin, putting the blame on Sean, putting the blame on Vince, putting the blame on everybody else. And when I switched that away, and then I became very humble. And uh What a super interesting chat with PCO. We'll take a quick time out right now to thank our sponsor for this episode, Untuck It. And if you ever see an untucked button down, they look bad. Yeah. Why? Well, because they're not meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt that's actually designed to be worn untucked. It doesn't matter what your size or your shape is, Untuck It shirts always fall at the exact perfect untucked length. They've got more than 50 fit combinations, and Untuck It shirts look great whether you're tall, you're short, you're slim, you're athletic, you're husky, whatever you want to be. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. And with Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy. They'll never look bulgy or too long or too big ever again. The best thing about this is the website is super easy to use. They even have a, a whole web page devoted to helping you find your perfect fit. So whether you're shopping for a gift or maybe you're just trying to shop for a gift for yourself and make yourself look better, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com. Use the code BLUE for a 20% off deal at checkout. That's Untuckit, U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com. The promo code is BLUE for 20% off. Well, you realize the common denominator in all of that yeah. was you. Yeah, and I had to grow my qualities and reduce my uh, my bad sides or the, my, the things that I was... Uh, the, It was a pain in the ass, but, you know. It sounds like you just became kinder. Yeah, kinder, more wisdom, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was always a big reader. You know, I always read, uh, trying to find out what do I need to make it. <laughs> read, 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 listen, listen, listen. Well, what books have really inspired your life? Yeah, The Alchemist from Paulo Coelho. It's classic. It's classic, but it's my life, too, because... Uh, Every single thing that I did and that I'd led to this championship, uh, every single experience, the bar, the TV commentator, the run with Vince, the, 
the 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 hard time to make it to Vince first, you yeah. know, knowing that what it needs, you know, even if it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. Eventually, it's gonna pay off. Yeah. I knew that, and uh, it's like the, in the Alchemist, every job that he's doing, and a way to achieving his goal to go to the pyramids, uh, it always bring and adds uh, an arrow to to his set, you know, yeah. uh, add a tool to to his uh, kit. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's when I was there in 2010 for wrestling at the pyramids. I went to wrestle in Egypt. Wow! And uh, actually, I met uh, Caprice Coleman there, and uh, we were wrestling on resorts there. And it was like four or five hours away from the airport. But I decided that at the end of the tour, that was no matter what, I was going to the pyramid. Hmm. And I went to a site where uh, Barack Obama was doing his, uh, his speech when he did, when he went there to Cairo. And when you look at all the nine pyramids from that site, it's uh, it's uh, it's breath taking. You know, you you just it's so beautiful. You you just like you you cannot not be in the moment. Mm. You're you're one with the pyramids. You know you're. You're part of the pyramids. You're part of the, and that experience itself uh, was a big, another big uh, starting movement for me to to, to say, uh, well, how can my favorite book, that's about you know reaching the, the best of yourself, and it happens in the in pyramid of Egypt. Uh, I'm, I'm here right yeah. now. <laughs> that was right. pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, what What are the chances that you're gonna fly 14 hours straight to Egypt for a, t- for a wrestling tour without learning and experience there? You know, I knew it wasn't about wrestling. I knew it was about something about myself. Mm. And so that that's the book that's impacted your life the most. That's one of one of them. But there's there's many. Are you still like you're constantly reading now? Well, my, now instead of reading, I, I use my uh, my earphones and I listen to a lot of uh, YouTube uh, channels, uh, audiobooks. Sure, you have a YouTube channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I use a lot of audiobooks though, yeah. but I read too. I like to read airplanes. Uh, sometimes reading also is different than listening. So, but uh, I do both. Yeah, I read a lot. By the way, we'll link up to your YouTube channel down below in the pinned comments so people can subscribe to your channel. You're putting a lot of your insane workouts on there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's uh, that's one of my babies there. Like the all those videos, me and Destro, the strength videos, the the theatrical videos, the You're lighting uh, yourself on fire. Yeah, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, you you gotta you know people gotta check on that on that channel because it's growing. Also, like uh, I'm just putting a video. I'm not putting a lot of. Um, you know, I'm putting descriptions, but I'm not putting a lot of uh, words, you know, uh, like saying wrestling or this or that. Like, how do you call that? Those words? Uh, like search terms? Yeah, search Key- terms. Keywords? I'm not, I'm not hashtags? Keywords, uh, well, you should. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I, can, I can give you some help here. <laughs> but, uh, but at least I, uh, I'm regular. Like, you yeah. got a video every Monday. Every Monday night, you got a video, and sometimes you got extra videos during the week. Good. Okay. So, so that's that's constant. It's been uh, we're approaching our uh, the hundred number hundred video. That's great. Which is going to be a special one, a special edition for the hundred. With so many people knowing you early on in your career as a tag team wrestler, did you always envision yourself as a single star? 
had to to become a world champion. That's true. So uh, in my mind, it was like really, uh, I really liked the uh, the way that Brett had done his, his his way up. You know, the tag, the Intercontinental, and the world title. Yeah. Um, but mine mine's been different. I mean, but it, like you said, 2019, the the, the <laughs> ROH tag, the ROH World Six Man Tag, the Crockett Cup, the NWA tag. The world championship title, so it's uh, it's it's kind of the same uh, uh, journey, sort of. But uh, Brett was all in WWE, but uh, I mean, yeah, I wanted to be a tag first, and then and then Intercontinental, and then World Champ. That that's what I had in mind. And when they approached you that you were going to be part of Villain Enterprises, what was your reaction to that? I was really happy. Because uh, 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 <laughs> the word that I was looking for was uh, synchronicity. You know, it's been just since 2017. My whole life's been synchronicity. Yeah, it's like you're in alignment now. Yeah, I mean, I met Marty in two th- the year that I was in England for the whole time, trying to get in touch with WWE. Yeah, I met Marty and uh, Nick Aldis there. Oh wow! They were just young boys starting up. Yeah, and I was good to them. You know. Uh, and I guess from from what Nick told me, you know, uh, Marty really appreciated the fact that I had been good to them compared to other like veterans who were like more harder or jerks or whatever the terms are. Yeah, uh, uh, I was always cool, and uh, and then when I was read out on the indie, Marty had the idea to start his own enterprises. And uh, called me up, and then eventually the company called me up, and then I was I was really uh, open about it because I knew Marty from England. Yeah, and I said, "Well, I thought that year was down the drain. Now <laughs> that year is just saving my butt there." That's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny how it came back around. Yeah, yeah, it came back around like I never imagined. And and then the other thing is Walter. When I got to uh, wrestle Walter, he said, Carl, you don't remember me, but we wrestled together before. No way. <laughs> I said, yeah, I just broke in. I was 18, a 16-carat in uh, Germany, a 16-carat tournament. So we worked together in a three against three. Wow. And that kind of created that little chemistry, that little spark that we needed to get our match, that to get a kick-ass match. Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of works back ways. When in alignment, I like your word that you use, I'm in alignment. And uh, so things from the past are helping me out now. Like Marty is calling me up. And then um, I met also Nick on the road and then uh, started and I had the... Uh, tour 2018 with Brody King so I was a good friend we had a good chemistry we had good feuds we had good matches against each other so for me me Marty Brody King what can I ask better well you know it's so cliche to say it but everything happens for a reason and it's funny how you might not know what that reason is in the moment yeah or even a year or two later yeah but it's amazing these connections that you made <laughs> a decade ago it's crazy. are now coming back around to help you now. Yeah. That, that, that also just goes to show, also sounds cliche, but be kind to everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you never know. Like, Marty's now booking Ring of Honor. Yeah. Uh, how much has that changed, uh, you know, for you? The only thing that changed a little bit with Marty was, like, the fact that for a while 
we didn't know what he was going to do, and I didn't feel like I should ask him, yeah. Marty, are you going to stay or are you going to leave? I didn't think it was uh, appropriate to ask him uh, something like that. And he never asked me what I was going to do. And and I think nobody was asking me because I was talking to Flip sometimes. And he said, it's, it's kind of... Uh, uh, he said, I don't know if you're resigning. I don't know if Marty's resigning. We don't know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a, a tough time. So I felt for for a little while. I didn't know. Like uh, I wasn't gonna end up by myself. Was Marty going to Hall uh, Elite Wrestling? What, what was gonna happen? You know. Mm. And uh, we had a lot of uh, interrogations. Like and then I, I was just focusing as much as I could on 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 what I could control and not trying to think about what I cannot control and that's why I think that's one of the philosophy that I decided to embrace also when I decided to change myself you know it was uh, like going against the tide trying to worry about things that I didn't have any control over yeah. and now I'm, I'm making all the efforts and putting the focus on everything that I can control and then trying to let life just happen you know and I think one of the most interesting parts about all of this is English isn't your first language. Not at all. So that's another obstacle that you had to overcome. It was, yeah. But I, I, at a young age, but I think also uh, it helps me find my character now at my age. I think at one point, like 25, 26, 27, not being the first language, you're trying to, what style am I going to have if I have a live ring interview or if I have to be charismatic or I have to you know, do something. But I've done like so many... Uh, interviews over the last two years that I found my way like I just need to be myself do you still the guy that I am do you still have to search for English words like, well, I imagine I, you're I have my own vocabulary if I if, if, <laughs> if, if, if in my mind I want to say a word and it doesn't come I'll use uh, synonymous you know but, oh, a, synonyms. Yeah. yeah. But but you're not like... Or if I don't know the word, I'll just make it. Like I did a synonymous. No? <laughs> <laughs> synonymous is a word. <laughs> that's, that's me. That's my own style, you know? Do you, do you still think in French? No. No, I, it goes in English. I, okay. I think in English. <laughs> yeah. But you... Okay, so you process the words in English. Oh, yeah. Everything's oh. in English. Okay, because yeah. I know some people process it in their native oh, language, no. then, okay, no, this is what I mean. It would be too long. It would be too confusing. <laughs> no? <laughs> I remember, you know, another person from your area, George St. Pierre. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's... He's... I think he's... His English is different than mine, you know. His, his English was terrible <laughs> at first. I didn't want to say that. At first. At first, his English was terrible. Yeah. And he's really worked on it. Yeah. And it's, he's gotten better. And he made tons of money for USC. Of course he did. Now, did you ever take any professional classes to learn English? Not at all. You, I learned everything on the road. So you taught yourself English? Yeah. I learned from being around the people. I mean, wow. I remember my first letters that I was working writing for uh, Stampede Wrestling uh, my friend like uh, on uh, high school he was really good like almost bilingual so I would have him to write my letters to Stuart or Bruce Art and I would send him with a, a decent English because he was helping <laughs> me out or if I was calling Stu he would be in front of me and he was, we were both listening and uh -huh. he was telling me to say I want to say this it was like a 
before I was entering, it was like a, a time, you know, oh <laughs> because he had to translate to me, and then I had to answer wow. back to Sue, and <laughs> I don't think it helped me out at all. <laughs> But you somehow figured it out, and you learned. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it was uh, a lot of, uh, you know, mistakes and error and <laughs> learning from them, and I don't know, I... I had uh, I had it uh, the hard way though learning on the road it was tough because uh, sometimes the, if you find someone who speaks French and you start speaking French with him, mm -hmm. well the rest of the group think that you're talking about them yeah. so we have to speak in English between each other but we both don't speak very good English <laughs> so it made it like sometimes I remember we were over in England and I was there in '91 for Brian Dixon and. For four or five hours, me and my partner were both the French Canadian, and we're talking French in the back. And I think Fritz Finlay and Dave Taylor on the front, in the front. I mean, they were <laughs> red hot when we got out of the car. All right. And I learned from other wrestlers, and then we, we never did that again. But we didn't know better. I mean, we were 20 years old. We were having fun. We were in England. We yeah. were our first, no, second pro uh, athlete. Well, we met in, in the Maritimes where I got fired after 30 days, and then uh, then I uh, I decided to go to England, and then we really made the main event there. We're like uh, we're working Robbie Brookside and Doug Dean every night, uh, Dave Taylor and Stephen Regal and all the top guys from England. We're working with them on main yeah. events all the night, every night. We're the top tag team there, 91, 92, and then uh, I went for uh, auto bands. Otto, like, really booked me, like, uh, one of the top guys with Peter Williams. I think I almost won a tournament in Hanover and Bremen. I finished fourth. Hanover finished fifth, like, uh, 21, 22 guys on the tournament. They they pushed me hard. Mm. And and that led me to go to Puerto Rico for Carlos. And then that was the main eventer there. I was uh, working Jose Gonzalez and Carlos himself. And then uh, Abdullah Butcher sometimes. And then that's when I met Jacques in '93. And then as soon as I uh, went for a tryout, and as soon as we debuted in the WWE, it was like uh, the, we we got the straps. Like uh, I think it was like uh, started in uh, June, and then September 13th. 1993, we got the I love that you know the date. Yeah, because it was like uh, really um, an important date for me. Yeah, well, September 13th, the tag straps and the world title, December 13th. There you go. I had to be a monster. Lucky number 13. I had to be a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if 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 this is everything, you know, leading up to this point, well, I mean, we talked about it at the start of the interview. But what what's the plan for 2020? You're so goal driven. So what's the goal? Yeah, it's uh, like I said, uh, sounds cliche, but I, I, I'm trying to find, I was trying to find every word possible, like I've tried um, maybe fever, maybe, you know, different words for something that maybe inclusive with the, the big craziness that's going around with what's happening with PCO, and the only thing I could come up with was the PCO Monster Mania Monster because it's going to be so big and monster because it's monstrous and yeah. and and then, and also like uh, growing up being 14, uh, Hulk Hogan was the man and 
uh, I always said to myself, I wanted to be the next Hulk Hogan. So it's like uh, paying tribute uh, to someone that I uh, I really admire a lot for for what he did and the way he did it and uh, everything that uh, they've accomplished. Uh, him and Vince together because uh, I think they were working a lot together back then and I think uh, uh, as of now Ring of Honor is not a uh, global you know like uh, 30 riders and uh, I don't know how many you know yeah. people working around and right it's <coughs> still like family you know, not, not, not that many people uh, involved in the process, so I think it's it's really to pop Ring of Honor big time. I mean, we have all the ingredients to pop, it, and that's the goal. It's to pop Ring of well, Honor. Well, and now's the time to do it. I always said, you know, I, I wanted to be the, the the next Al Hogan. I wanted to pop a territory like Joe Duke did in, in Tennessee, yeah. like uh, Hogan did in WWE uh, in the '80s, and so that's what drives me. Hmm. Well, now's the time to do it. Yeah. Wrestling's red hot right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, was there ever a point, because your story's about, like, perseverance and not giving up on yourself. Was there ever a point where you went, I, I don't think this is going to be possible anymore? 2011 was the year when I had that radio interview and a guy was asking me, what's up with your wrestling <laughs> career? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much over, I think. That's that's where the retirement comes from. Yeah, okay. It was not a, an official retirement. I never made a press conference. I never had a retirement match. I never wanted to say I was going to retire because I knew I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. But you know what? By saying that to that radio announcer, it made me let go a little bit. Hmm. It made me... It, it let it, All the efforts and all the, 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 the things that I had put in... Maybe sometimes when you want something that much, that much, that much, and instead of pulling it, you're pushing it with, with wanting it too much, too much, too much, too much. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe I was not doing the right things at the right times. Maybe I needed a break, you know, to just to refocus. And, and it just, it's so weird, you know. Like when I was doing those uh, commentary for the YouTube channels, like, just prior to that, I was not doing much, you know. I was uh, doing guys with um, comedy, you know. I was uh, doing a little bit like you're doing. I was having them, and I was asking questions about, you know, the humorous, you know, where you started, where you're going, and things like that. Yeah. And then the guy came to me and said, oh, you're not at your place at all. I said, you should be doing that with wrestling, not with those guys. Yeah. not you. And then this guy was in my life for all those he came home twice or three times. He set me up with my my Twitter, not even my Twitter. My he restarted a new YouTube account with wrestling on it, and started that whole thing. And now you gotta go wrestling, and it's just something that someone that I knew from uh, where I go to get my things print out and uh, uh, photocopy and things like that, just to another person, just someone that happened to be in my life for just one reason. Wow. Put me right back in the wrestling direction. Yeah. Wow. Because in my mind, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I didn't know I was going to make it back there. And well, now that you're doing this, and you're doing it obviously at the top level, what's the plan here? Like, do, how much longer do you think you can do, do this? 
Well, like I said, uh, said that to many to other uh, shows and hosts before. It's not about the time; it's about the achievement. Once I'll be achieved, once I'll be achieving what I've started, you know, uh, a great run, you know, like a solid run, like it would. Good crowds, good buy rates, good uh, gates, you know, something like pretty spectacular, not something ordinary, on something unbelievable, something that you cannot even think about. You mm. know. Once that will be reached, then it will be time to step up to the next thing. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> <laughs> He's never given up. <laughs> you really aren't human. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you afraid that your body might give out on you? No, no, because no, I mean, not, not 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 the way I train with Destro. But the way that you wrestle, though, like there's not too many people that are first of all doing moonsaults. Period. A lot of, not a lot of people doing moonsaults at 52 years yeah, old. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I do a lot of crazy bumps. Yes, I, I think uh, every, I think, every I think I got a show during the match that I'm not human. I think that's part of the deal. You know, that's part of uh, how can he do this? And it's double psychology on the match. You know, you got the people watching you. Cheering for you for either the story that go, that's behind it, you know, the the passion, the hard work, the perseverance, the courage, the everything that uh, you need to get there, and 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 through the story of the match, it's the same emotions, and also I want the people to worry about myself, mm. like they see something happening. Oh no. Is he dead? No, oh, he's okay. So it, it's, it has another emotion to the match, you know. It, uh, there's not too many wrestlers that can create, that have the chance that they, they cannot create something like that where, uh, you know, creating a reaction about, they worry about the guy itself and on top of the story of the match. So it, it, it makes each... Uh, each story into one story. <laughs> well, you mentioned Destro, and I feel like for a lot of people, he came out of nowhere. Um, like I think a lot of people hadn't seen him until you guys were paired together. How how did you get connected with him? Well, Destro did a lot of did a few movies. Uh, he's got a face for movies, you know. He's got a, he's got that look, and he's also got the string, uh, strongest uh, ends in the world. He had the Arnold Classic. I don't know what year it was. I challenge every, uh, like, uh, Mark Henry, um, Summer, <laughs> like, all the strongmen that you know. Like, uh, Bill Kazmaier was there. He was the, the the announcer for the, the strongman contest. The, and he challenged everybody. He put $10,000 on the table. Said, like, all those guys are over 300 pounds. They're all, like, you know, super strong. But nobody could bend a penny and a half. Nobody can... <laughs> Bend uh, six inches nails. Nobody can tear like uh, hundred decks of cars under ten minutes and things like that. So he's got the strongest hands in the world. So he decided to. When he saw me, uh, he said that I was Frankenstein the way I was walking. And he was a big. Uh, he grew up on monster and and to me. Uh, being a monster, it kind of recreates his childhood a little bit. And uh, so he had. He, he says, "I've got my monster now," <laughs> and then and he's teaching me the the feats of strength, so uh, so I can have the strongest hands in pro wrestling too. So when I 
choke slam or yeah, yeah. do anything with my hands. You know, that's that's especially my hands. You know, that's that's where I want to. Uh, I want to have a solid grip. That's the thing that I'm working on with this tool. Well, with, with, with many other things, conditionings and things like that. You know, we we work out a lot. But your character, I mean, it's a double meaning because your your career has also been resurrected. And the character exactly. as well. So it was incredible. When yeah. he came out with that idea, he said, you are Frankenstein. You have to be Frankenstein. You know, he says, that's, that's, that's going to be the biggest thing in the world. And I said to him, I always thought I walked funny. You know, I've got a funny walk. I, I walk a little bit like that. You know, like not on purpose. It's just the way I walk. So I said, you know, I've been, a lot of people have been making joke about the way I walk. And I walk like Frankenstein. So I said, I don't think he's pretty, but I'm going to go with it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it works I, for you. <laughs> yeah. I don't care being ugly at this point. <laughs> so was Destro in wrestling? He was a big fan of wrestling, but uh, he, uh, he was a big, 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 big fan. Uh, he did a little bit of commentary for wrestling. He was involved a little bit. With the, the same channel where I was working, the same TV station. Uh, I went to see him uh, maybe 15 years ago. I wanted him to be with me, and I wanted to shoot an angle to Vince with him as my manager. Yeah. And he turned me down. This Joe said, uh, no, I'm not interested. Hmm. He, this guy is not about money either. He's like, he either likes it or he doesn't. I mean... <laughs> He's he's like he's like the only reason I'm doing it is because I'm doing it for you man. He said I, I love Monster, I love yeah. wrestling, I love feats of strength and we're training together and that makes my you know my, that, that, that makes him happy. Well you played so many different characters. Uh obviously this one is I think at the top of the heap, but what do you think's the worst gimmick that you've had? Um, I, I really think it was the the Quebecers for me because it was like a character where it wasn't myself at all. Like uh, we never really won like clean. Like it was always like some sort of a Quebec rules. Like <laughs> won won the title by disqualification. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we always got beat up. We I was running on my knees. I was like. Going to Jacques' ways, holding up, like, to me, it's totally not me, you know. So I think uh, to be successful in, uh, in wrestling, it's got to be an extension of yourself. It's, it's got to be a part of yourself that it's uh, in there, in that ring, that people are feeling that you're, you and your character are one. You're not playing a role. You're not, you know. I was going, I, I was good at playing that role, but uh, I knew that wasn't a role for me. I, I couldn't. You know, I could do fairly good, you know, but, uh, and, and the pirate, that's an idea that I shot to Vince where I wanted to really uh, emphasize the fact that I will use a negative, losing my eye at the age of 12 and, and, and turn it into a positive where with one eye you can still, you know, do great things. And, um, I wanted to, um, do a lot of things, you know, with people that, uh, have, a light handicaps and, and try to be uh, inspiring, you know, uh, as a wrestler for them. But turned that into the Lafitte where the great, great Jean Lafitte was my great, great grandfather was Jean Lafitte, the famous pirate in Louisiana. And then I was not from Quebec anymore. I was from Louisiana. And then, 
And it was, to me, it was like too much cartoonish. That's not mm. what I had uh, envisioned for that character. I really wanted to be a... Uh, it's funny to say that because I'm not human. But the fact that I'm not human is because I've been made out with different body parts from all different pro wrestlers and I've been resurrected. And, you know, I'm, 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 that's what makes me not human. It's like the tolerance to the pain. But... When I talk, the feeling and everything, that's human. That's still human. And I'm saying that because the pirate, that's something that I wanted to translate to the crowd. I wanted to translate my, my, um, the, the quality that I had, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the courage that I had. Like, I remember my family being at the hospital every day for one month. I was laying on my back. And I was a kid that was 12 years old and I was the one who was, bringing their morale up. Don't worry, mom, it's going to be fine. Don't worry, dad. Don't worry, grandmom. You know, it's it's okay. It's it's good now. I'll, I'll be good with one eye, you know. So I wanted to those emotions to, to be shown in that character of the pirate. I wanted to, to show, which then they said uh, the blindness was more uh, the, the U.S., people, the, the Americans that didn't appreciate what my great-great-father mm, had done mm. in the past for the country, and it went sideways, and that's another character that didn't really like because of that. I think that, I, w- I would have guessed it was your impact, or your TNA character. Yeah, 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 but it was, it was such a short span of time. Yeah, I guess you didn't get a chance to really get to know that character. Yeah, no, not really. I didn't didn't have time to put that much thought into it. I don't know that everybody realizes that, like, you're blind on yeah. your right eye. Yeah. I think that maybe people think that because of this character that that's just a contact you're wearing. No, no, it's, it was really a big drama in my family. I got shot by a, uh, one of, you know, the, uh, the pickup sticks to play, you know, when you pick yeah, up yeah. with different colors. Well, we ran out of pellets, and we were a bunch of kids at 12 shooting ourselves in the legs. And then once we didn't have any more pellets to put in a pellet gun, we put those sticks. And then uh, it went through this. I was hiding behind a counter in the kitchen, and my friend, we were shooting our legs, you know, below the the knees to make sure nothing would happen. Yeah, yeah. I think we were thinking that. I was thinking that for for one. But anyways, I was on my knees, and it went through the skin, and then the night do a two-rounded edge. So I pulled it back out. So don't ever do that. If something happened to your eye, you put a cup over it, you leave it there, you don't touch it, you go to the hospital, they can make the surgery and remove it very gently without you making the damage because when I pulled it, I pulled all my eye out like that. What? Yeah, because it's a rounded edge. It went through the skin and by reflex, I went boom, I pulled it out and it was bleeding all over the place. And then I put a, and then I, I took a small towel, I wet it, and then I tell my friend, I, I think I'm blind, I think I'm blind. I'm looking in the mirror, no, I can't see, I can't see. No, I'm blind, I'm blind, no, I can't see. And I'm going crazy. Call my mom. There was no cell. And that. So my mom was working, my uncle come and got me, and I, I fell uh, unconscious on the way to the hospital. Oh, my God. And I woke up, I had like been four hours on the, the table in the surgery. Wow. And then I woke up and then all the family was around me. This is <laughs> not to make light of this, but you know the you know the movie The Christmas Story? No. The Christmas Story? The kid wants a BB gun for Christmas. And they keep saying, You'll shoot your eye out, kid. 
It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm, I mean, wow. But the fact that you overcame that as well. Yeah, at a young age, I was very, uh, very grounded, very humble, very... Uh, I grew up... Uh, you know, reading quite a lot of books and uh, surrounded with a lot of good people. And it's just like, basically, it was like just hitting WWE. The fame, you know, that really, the, the, the traps. You know, yeah. like people, some people never get out of it. They never get out of it. Like Michael Jackson died. He was like super miserable. Like yeah, I think yeah. Whitney Houston was the same thing. And I think... Uh, for instance, like one thing that I wanted to also prove when I came back and I make my comeback is when I saw the movie The Wrestler, I was so pissed off. Why? When I got out of that room, I slammed that door. That that, that cinema. Yeah, with uh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I slammed the door. I was, I was mad. I hated it. I said, what a bad movie for... It's only showing the bad side of the wrestling world. Mm. You don't see nothing good about it. You don't see a nice father taking care of his children. You don't see a nice family growing up happy. You don't see, you know, someone who has money, someone who has, like, good things that the, that, that business had brought to, to them, you know, the comfort. You, 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 the only thing you see is just pain and misery. Right. And I wanted to come back, and I wanted to make a comeback, and I wanted to reach my goal. And that movie was another incident for me to go, well, they'll, they'll have to do another movie, but this one will be positive about the wrestling business. Mm. Yeah, I want a movie to be, well, we're, we're shooting my life in real time. Like, they're not here today, but usually at shows. And since 2017, uh, there's a crew following me pretty much everywhere. Wow. So before I won the title, after I won the title, yeah, before yeah. I signed a contract, after I signed a contract, and uh, and everything in between, and the good matches, and the, the the big matches, the big main event matches, and things like that. Wow. So we yeah. got that in, in real time. So uh, that's going to be a nice documentary, a, a, a two-hour documentary movie. Uh, we're shooting that for movie theaters, so... Wow. So the bigger the story comes, the bigger the movie will be, the bigger the book will be. And there's different parts of your story that I think relate to different people from all walks of life. And whether you're a wrestler or you are a broadcaster like myself or whatever you happen to do, I feel like people can take from your story and apply it to their own life. Yeah, that's one of the goals, too. And uh, I think I was... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really inspired by a lot of guys that... Uh, like uh, uh, the Impact Theory, you know. Yeah, uh, Tom Bellew. Yeah, mm -hmm. Tom Bellew. Like, uh, I really like what he does. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot there. There's a lot of things that I already know, but just listening to it, you know, it, it always uh, makes me go back in my values and, and, and what I believe in. And yeah. it reinforces all my values and all my my criteria that I think that, that are important in life mm -hmm. and uh, I think uh, Ed Milet also yeah. is one of them yeah Ed, uh, Ed Milet has a great show uh, his podcast uh, I listen to it all the time there's, there's no reason that you can't be a guest on Ted, uh, Tom Bilyeu's show or Ed Milet's show uh, that, that would be like something uh, um that's 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 been a goal for the last year to be to be mm. on those shows. So hopefully that's gonna turn out to be uh, something that's gonna happen. Well, hopefully someone listening to this right uh, now. Yeah, I would be really grateful. Is if connected that with Ed or Tom and. 
can make this happen. Yeah, and also in the same line of uh, those two guys, uh, I was a big fan of Oprah Winfrey, and uh, I think she really knows how to uh, get out. You know what's es essentials in life. So yes, the achievements, yes, the job, yes, the wrestling, or you're an actor, or you're, you know, uh, uh, whatever feel of life you might be sure. part of yep. there's always like uh, a, a line you know that is that 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 makes you be successful or not and i think and i i think she 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 knows how to hit the nail on those points you know mm -hmm. so i'd really like to be able to get to know her and share a little bit of my story with her and then because she, she's just she's, she's a lady that uh did inspire me a lot well i think we'd all like to get to know oprah <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's the she, she had some <laughs> very interesting guests so uh, i've actually interviewed oprah once oh man uh, you, you interviewed so many uh, big names and i've been names. very fortunate and oprah was just so kind And I think that was the biggest thing is she was so kind and so present in the moment. And it's funny that you know I've interviewed, you know, you, you name it. I've interviewed every Hollywood celebrity. The bigger the star, the nicer the person. And I think that that's such an interesting thing because most people would think it's the reverse. Most people would think the Tom Cruises, the Sandra Bullocks, the Brad Pitts of the world. Denzel Washington. Right. I've, and, and I've interviewed all these people. You, they've always been the absolute kindest yeah. and most present. And I think that, that there's a lesson to be learned from those types of people. Yeah, yeah. So for sure, yeah. I, I hope to have the chance that you had and to be able to meet with them and sit down with them and be able to be asked and to be able to ask a few questions. Well, I think the word that describes you really well is, is kind. You are such a kind man. And the path that you've been on is a path that you've created for yourself. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's a... It's Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, uh, yeah, it's touching. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of work, and uh, it's very, very. Uh, this just a piece of gold, but it's it's uh, in the meantime, it's very re rewarding. Sure. And um, from the people, but also uh, for my own self, you know, and. Um, That's why I feel I'm, I have the um, the I have to you know to get out there and to, to pop this ring of honor uh, territory like it never never been popped before and uh, with with not myself but with uh, all the great talents that we got you know with Marty Skrill the villain with Villain Enterprises with You know, uh, I don't want to go with names because when you You'll forget one, everybody right. hates you. So, uh, <laughs> but I can say we got a super talented uh, dressing room, and you just have to look at what WWE's got right now and what uh, AEW's got, and well, over fifty percent of those guys are coming from ROH. Yeah. It's true. And now that ROH is, is, is spending the money, is investing, mm -hmm. and is putting like more efforts into becoming like a, you know, a major company, it feels like now we're back to where we were like so many years ago, where you had AWA, NWA, and WWE, like yep. WF, whatever. So we got the three major ones, and 
because all the other ones are brands of WWE, so it's it's all WWE, a Ring of Honor, all Elite Wrestling, and that's now that's the no booming the ROH and to make it like number one. Well, I want to thank you for this super enlightening conversation. And also, I want to acknowledge you for never giving up on yourself and uh, you know, always chasing after those goals and being I'm a super goal-driven person myself. You set those goals, and you're not happy until you've accomplished them. And I think that that's something that's you know, made you the Ring of Honor champion, just made you a champion in life. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you, I, I think we can almost end up on this. You, you don't uh, become what you want. You almost become what you are in a way that you know so sometimes we want to be something but we're not totally ready for it yet so and i think sometimes you become a champion at a young age like mike tyson because from that experience there's going to be some lessons to be learned yeah later on so that's why there's a different yeah there's an order and there's a time for different reasons for different things but i'm so grateful that i had it at the age that i got it i can appreciate every moment i can um assure you that i won't go back on the you know fall back on those traps uh, you know uh, i'll make the best out of it and uh, the best in a positive way out of it. Mm-hmm. thank you so much thanks a lot I really appreciate it i appreciate thank you, you. What a conversation. What a guy. Wow. I, I hope you are as inspired as I am. I mean, the man won the Ring of Honor World Championship at 51 years old. He just turned 52 on December 30th. It's an incredible story of reinvention, of never giving up on yourself, and believing in yourself. And if you've ever seen this man work in the last year or so, whew, you will know that this man only has one speed. And that is full speed ahead. Uh, take a screenshot. Tag me at Chris Van Vliet on Instagram or Twitter. Tag PCO. He's at PCO is not human. I know he'd really appreciate knowing that you're listening to this one. And also, if you're a fan of Ed Milet or Tom Bilyeu, maybe you can you know connect PCO, make his dream come true there, his goal of being on Ed Milet's show or Tom Bilyeu's show, Impact Theory. So, hey, if you're aware of those guys or, or you're connected with them in some sort of way, Let's make this thing happen. And I can't recommend that book enough that he talked about, The Alchemist, that he talked about in this interview. Oh, man. So we're going to leave you with a quote from The Alchemist that I think is so inspiring, almost as inspiring as this conversation with PCO itself. It's the possibility of having a dream come true that makes life interesting. Mm. I just got back from Las Vegas. I was there for the Impact Wrestling tapings. Did a bunch of interviews there. Still got a bunch of interviews from NWA. And we've got the infamous chest slapping, chopping. Yes, you know the story. If you, if you follow me on Instagram, you know exactly what my chest looked like last week. It's, it's healed up nicely. Thank you for everyone who's asked. But I took 20 chops at Tyler Breeze and Sean Spears Wrestling School, flatbacks in Apopka, Florida. My chest looks exactly how you would think it would look after 20 chops. So that video is coming up soon as well. So make sure you're subscribed on here. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Oh, man, 2020. What a year this is going to be. It's the possibility of having a dream come true that makes life interesting. We'll see you soon.